Welcome to Sheepdog Nation podcast, the only place on the internet where law enforcement and their families can come to be understood, supported, and stood up for. Here's your host, the always entertaining, down-to-earth, yet-in-your-face truth speaker and Leo herself, Autumn Schmidt. What is up, Sheepdog Nation? Welcome to another podcast with your host, me, Autumn Schmidt. I'm really excited to have you here, as always, today. We have a really cool interview. This guy, I'm really excited to introduce you to him because he's not like my typical uh, interviewees, which is cool. He's a cop. He's from Florida. But this guy, he's a fucking... I don't know, probably like has like 10 black belts in BJJ. I see him all the time on Instagram. He's always fucking things up. I love it. I love how, you know, he's really real. He shows you his training, his Instagram. You're going to learn how to follow him in a minute once I tell you who this guy is. But his Instagram's cool because he's always training and he's always doing things and making himself better as a police officer. And I just think that we could all really um, take a lot from him, even though he doesn't have 100 years on the road, which is cool because he's going to give us a fresh cop's perspective of what it's like out of the academy within the last few years. He's on the road, comes from a family of cops. He's a badass. I'm really excited to have him here. Uh, his name is Ruben. What's going on, Ruben? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to have you here, brother. Can you tell everybody your Instagram handle real quick? Yeah, my Instagram handle is Ruben, R-U-B-E-N, B-J-J-04. Yeah, okay, guys. So, Sheepdog Nation, go follow him. He's cool. I like his Instagram. I follow it. Um, Ruben, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I was born in Miami, Florida. I come from a family of police officers. My father and my mother are police officers, as well as my uncles, aunts, cousins. So, it's kind of like a whole blue blood thing. I love blue um, blood. Yeah. My dad retired from Miami-Dade Police Department after 30 years. My mom has, I believe, five more years left with the Aventura Police Department, which is a little municipality in uh, Dade County. Then um, my aunts and uncles, they're retired from the same department as my father. My cousin was uh, a deputy. And um, yeah, I have other cousins that I think are in corrections and all that. So yeah, I come from a long line of uh, cops and uh Started jiu-jitsu when I was 15, ended up just like getting hooked on it and been doing it for a while, competed professionally all over the world. And then I decided, okay, now it's time to hit a career change. And I decided to follow the family footsteps and become a police officer. I love that. I have so many questions to ask you. The first thing I need to ask you is because I'm completely obsessed with the Miami-Dade show. Like it's like it's like old now. It's like back in 2007, but I'm like completely obsessed with that cop show. Was your dad on it? <laughs> uh cops no 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 i don't know it's called miami dade police or some shit and it's like all about miami dade's like tag team oh the miami dade swat show yeah yeah no uh my dad wasn't in that my roommate who's also like my older brother he's uh he's one of the team leaders for the swat team for miami dade no yeah that's yeah i don't think he was on the show though if you watch the movie pain and gain you see him there running they have like a camera on his face. No shit. Uh, he's been in a couple of movies like as like, like in the background. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, he's one of the team leaders for the, the SRT team. So I get to hang around those guys all the time. That's awesome. They're trying to recruit me to their department. They're always like, when are you going to come try out for our SWAT team and join our department? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I like my department because mm. I don't have to be in the shadow of my father over there, you know, and then also be in the shadow of him and all the, all these other guys that I know. So yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I know those guys. I think he was on the show. I'm not sure. I, I don't really watch the show, but I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, wasn't your boy on the show or whatever?" I'm like, I don't know. 
I met the guy, um, Dexter Fletcher from uh, Combat Missions. He was Miami Dade guy. He was on that show. He won it. Beat a bunch of Navy SEALs and Green Berets. I've I've trained with him a few times. Awesome guy. That's so, awesome. Yeah, they're pretty well known over there. Yeah, yeah. Sheepdog Nation, if you haven't gone and checked uh, check that out, you guys, uh, if you've been following me for a little while, then you know that I have a couple recommendations. I'm not huge into cop shows. I'm really not because I don't think it's good for cops to be watching cops when you're off duty however there's a couple of shows that i really like blue bloods being one of them i really love that but um i really really like that miami dade like swat show i really do because it's 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 real it's fucking reality especially if you're a rookie or especially if you're like you're thinking about becoming a police officer like you got to go see it because you just got to go watch it. it's on it's on netflix and then the other one ruben have you ever seen flint town flinttown oh my god that was a great documentary yes that's Very. what i'm saying very good documentary. It made me realize that, you know what, the little stuff that I, I complain about in my department, these guys have it 10 times worse. And mm -hmm. it sucks to see the lack of manpower and all that stuff that they're going to on top of the whole lead poisoning in the, in the water. It's awful. So, and yeah, it's, it's crazy, especially when the girl's uh, brakes are squeaking. She's like, how can I go to a call and sneak up on somebody when my brakes are squeaking? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's amazing I know I love that I love that documentary it's so true it really it really shows you know a side of policing that you know people don't get to see and so um, Sheepdog Nation if you haven't seen that on uh, Netflix you need to go um, I have just so you guys know I have reached out to Bridget she um, you know Bridget from the female that you were just talking about on uh, Flip mm -hmm. Down, see if she'd come on the podcast but she hasn't talked back to me yet, so I'm waiting for it. But anyways, that's a really good show. So, Ruben, let me ask you this. So, can you tell tell me a little bit about your uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ, your career? I want to hear about it, man. I love that. So, my career started out when I watched the Gracie's in Action video with my uncle, who's mm -hmm. uh, he's my godfather. He was uh, he was a blue belt Jiu-Jitsu, but he was also a fourth degree black belt under Steven Seagal in Aikido in the tension style of Aikido. So I was doing Aikido back then. I was a little fat kid that got picked on. Ended up losing, uh, ended up losing weight, you know, and doing martial arts. And uh, I watched the Gracie's in action video and I, I saw these like skinny small guys beating up these big buff dudes and not throwing any punches, just using like solid technique. And I asked my uncle, I'm like, hey, can these guys beat you up? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, these guys will beat me up. And I'm like, then why am I doing Aikido? I need to get into this, you know? So I got to my brown belt in Aikido. My uncle also had a jiu-jitsu instructor teaching there. His name was Mike Cardozo. Mike is about five foot four, 145 pounds, but one of the best jiu-jitsu guys ever come out of Florida from back in the day. So I started with Mike. I got all the way up to purple belt with Mike. And I was competing on the regular about 15, 16 years old. I was competing. I went pro around 16, 17 years old. So in high school, I was always cutting weight, you know, getting ready for tournaments. Every Friday when kids were out partying, I was out in the gym training. Um, and that mindset never left me because I wasn't really good at it. I just kept showing up and training and eventually I got good. So I started competing all the way through high school. Um, then my team that I was on extreme, we had a little split. So when I stayed with my original coach, um, there was like nobody to push me there. It was like a bunch of white belts. We were starting over again. So I ended up going to 
Roberto Abreu. He's also known as Cyborg. He's pretty famous in the jiu-jitsu community. I went to his team, got all the way up to black belt with him, and then I had a falling out and went to my current coach now, which is Tom DeBlast. He's out of uh, New Jersey. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I've been with him ever since I got my first degree with him. I'm supposed to get my second degree, I think, this year from him. And I've been with him since since then. And, yeah, I don't see myself going anywhere else. One thing that I forgot to mention is I started out with uh, – before Mike, like when Mike was going through his little uh, transition from my uncle's school to owning his own school – I was in training with him, so I was training with uh, the Valente brothers and as well as George Masvidal from Freestyle Fighting Academy back in the days. Now he's in the UFC and he's with the American Top Team, but I was with those guys too for a little period. So, yeah, I've been all, all over training everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, do you still train right now? Yeah. Yeah, I train on my days off. Uh, I'm going to go train tonight. One of my brown belts, he teaches a class, and uh, I take his class at a gym that I came up with uh, two of the owners. We were all white belts together. Now we're all black belts. So That's cool. You know, I train at their gym and get ready for competitions and all that stuff. Now, do you, now do you ever, like, do you do anything in law enforcement? Like, the cops ever come train with you? Do you offer classes? Like, what's that? Yeah, I offer free class on Saturdays at the Henzo Gracie in Fort Lauderdale. Um, yeah, I'm always posting it on my social media. Some days I can't teach the class because I'll get overtime or something family oriented comes in the way, you know, but I do it for free. It's on Saturdays. Um, there's other guys that do free jujitsu classes. My buddy, Sean, um, he's one of the defensive tactics instructors from Miami Dade. He's a black belt jujitsu. We started out together. That's he awesome. teaches a free class. Um, and then another guy named Freddie Trillo, he's a teammate of mine. He's a black belt under Tom the blast. He, uh, he's retired from Miami Dade. He's uh, actually still reserved with the SWAT team. He teaches a free Friday class, I believe. So, yeah, there's a bunch of guys out here that teach uh, free classes in law enforcement. Um, another dude on my SWAT team from my department, his name's uh, Sean, too. I don't, I don't know what's up with all these Seans, but he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, but he teaches a free striking class. Really? For, yeah, for law enforcement at the same location where I teach. So Sean's teaching free striking, you know there's going to be times where you can't grapple. You're going to have to strike and you know, you might as well learn how to throw a punch properly. Sean, Sean's one of those. So oh, yeah. He teaches I, a free class, I think Fridays. Well, okay. So like, do we have cops coming out for that? Because we're going to be making an announcement. So remind me, Ruben, right when we get off this, I'm going to, I want to put together a little post and I'm going to share this out and we'll share it again when, you know, the podcast drops, but uh, I hope cops are going to this, man. This, this is awesome. You know what? Um, most of the guys that actually come out to these classes are already trained. They're guys that train. It's, I'm mostly putting on these classes, not for really the trained guys, cause they already know what they're doing. It's more for the people that are untrained and you don't get too many untrained guys. that want to show up. I guess it's cause they're afraid they might get hurt. They might, uh, might be an ego check for them. Mm-hmm. You know, but I tell guys all the time and I don't even really like talk about it at work, like that I teach every class unless people come up and ask me about it because I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm trying to like push something on to people, you know, I'd rather them just come on their own free will than me being like, Hey, you guys need to train, you need to train, you need to train mm-hmm. rather than, Hey, if you want to train, I'm here. If mm-hmm. you don't, that's cool too. But I rather people get the reality check in training than on the street where mm-hmm. it actually counts. But, you know, you can't, can't lead the horse to water, the horse to water and force it to drink, you know? 
I know. I know. I, I couldn't agree more. And sheepdogs, if you're listening, you all need to be training. You, you hear me say this all the time. I don't care how far removed from the road you are. Get back in there. Do not let go of that mentality. Um, I mean, shit's changing. I can tell you, I can tell you about so many instances where cops are getting in fights with people now and, and these people are getting down on, they're getting down on their backs and they're getting an open mm-hmm. garden. They're like, let's do this. And you're like, fuck as a cop, you're like, damn, because now, you know, they're trained. And, and if you're not trained, what are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to beat that. Like you're just not, especially, you know, you got, you got people off the streets that are freaking blue belts, purple belts and jujitsu. And I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. black belts and jujitsu. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, that, there's no academy defensive tactics that you're going to fucking learn that's going to that's going to save your ass on that if you ask me like i'm just going to yeah. tell you because i fought them and i've had my ass handed on to me on many occasions by black belts and it is not a fun situation so if you're not training mm-hmm. i i have no idea why you're not if you're in florida south florida if you're near the police departments that Ruben and I were just discussing, get your ass in there, especially if you're untrained. There's no egos. They want to help you guys. There's no shame in showing up and being like, hey, listen, life got in the way. You know, I'm, I've been on the road 10 years and I am, I need to, I need definitely need to brush up on my skills. And there's no shame in that. Just go get it done so that you can, you can learn, you know, I, think I, I, exactly. I love what you guys are doing, Ruben. That's awesome. Yeah. We have a, uh, we have all these, uh, resources for officers and deputies and all that and i'm still teaching whether one person shows up or 100 people show up i'm gonna treat it the same way you know um i even opened the classes to not just law enforcement but to you know nurses firefighters because they deal with some stuff too you know absolutely especially with the whole opioid epidemic with like fentanyl heroin and all that stuff when you narcan these guys and they get back up they they become combative and you have to know how to handle yourself. Absolutely. Now, Ruben, have you ever have you ever gotten into a fight on the road and um, had to handle yourself and apply your jujitsu? Uh, yeah, a couple times. I've uh, I've been uh, I've been having to use jujitsu a few times. One of them went viral on like World Star and stuff like that. So, what happened, man? Can you tell us? Yeah. Um. There is a video of me chasing a suspect down and then me grappling with him and ended up getting him in custody. And I didn't even throw one single punch. You know, I was able just to hold him down until my backup showed up. And, uh, through there, I got a lot of, uh, exposure where everybody was hitting me up, asking me about like jujitsu for law enforcement. You know, some of it was good. Some of it was bad, but, um, the best thing that happened from that video is I was able to fly out to California and train with the Gracie's Henner and heat on Gracie and um, get certified in the Gracie combative system for law enforcement that they just specifically made for law enforcement. That's so cool. I was able to go up there with a, a senior deputy who's actually a good friend of mine who's trained too. He's a purple belt, and he's actually on our SWAT team. I was able to take him up with me, so we both got certified, and it actually opened his eyes more than mine. And he was like, man, we should start teaching these techniques to law enforcement because it saves us from injury. It also saves us from liability. You know, so we're trying to push that that out there too because, yeah, within the use of force spectrum guidelines and all this stuff like that, if I punch you from actively resisting, yeah, I'm, I'm within all my rights, but if I punch you the wrong way and then I get a boxer's fracture, that takes my hand out of the fight. And mm-hmm. I've had multiple boxer's fractures from fighting MMA and doing kickboxing and boxing. And it sucks because now you have to go through the whole workman's comp process, which is a pain in the butt. 
then you have to be in the fishbowl typing reports, taking calls, and you're not out there with like your, your fellow brothers and sisters doing the job and being out there on the road. I know I can't sit on the desk from nine to five. You know, that's why I got into police work because you're getting into different things, different days. Like you got to have one day where nothing happens. And then the next day for shots, fired, stabbings, the whole city's burning down and it's up to you to go from call to call to call and find a solution for every call. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not the same, same nine to five where, you know, Hey, I'm going to be at this desk all day and I'm just going to be typing reports and doing this. It, it gets boring. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and so, okay. So obviously you're like, Hey, this jujitsu has definitely saved my body. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's true. Now, how, what do you think the command staff, like what, like the, the, the in your opinion, from your experience, does the command staff, do they like the jujitsu better or do they like the striking better? I really don't know so much from the command staff's perspective because I haven't really talked to command staff about it. But um, one thing that I'm seeing trending in a lot of agencies is fear of change. They're still stuck on the 1980s method of defensive tactics where you know, now things have changed completely. Everybody watches the UFC. Everybody knows at least some little form of grappling. I had my first use of force ever solo. I go to take down the guy. Well, I'm not going to take down him physically. I like it. He starts running. I catch up to him in my car. I start giving him verbal commands. Hey, man, get on the ground. Lay flat on your stomach. He starts doing a put your hands behind your back. As I go to cuff him, the guy pops up and tries to double leg me. Damn. And he tries to take me to the ground. And the first things that I say out of my mouth is I throw my cuffs and I scream out, are you serious right now? And then from there, I was able just to like pin him, hold him down. So my backup showed up. We were able, we were able to get um, compliance from him. He wasn't giving me his arm. So I was able to use a technique called the Kimura to bring his arm behind his back, put, put the cuffs on. The guy wasn't injured. But the thing was is – the guy who backed me up is an FTO. He's like, yo, that was some ninja stuff. And that guy's way bigger than you. The guy was 200 and something pounds. And I'm like one at the time I was 175, 180. I was fresh out of the Academy and I was able just to control him the whole time. to the point where the witnesses that were watching me grapple with him were like, Oh my God, this was like the cop looked like he knew what he was doing. He felt comfortable he wasn't losing his equilibrium or anything like that. He was there on the cortex just doing his job and being able to control the situation without anything bad happening. And after we handcuffed the guy, put him in the back of the car, the guy ends up having three felony warrants for fighting police officers. Mm. And we didn't know that at the time, you know, until we ran him. And even our our dispatch didn't even find that out until we, like, really dug in his name and stuff and found out that he had three warrants and that they were willing to, you know, extradite him back to where he was, where he was from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And, you know, okay, so let's talk about that. You hit on like so many things that I just, I need to say. First off, um, the, the, the fear or the disliking of change that has become law enforcement culture. And I'm going to tell you why the reason why is because our command staff, they're not, we don't have new young guys, educated individuals in the command staff predominantly across the nation. Now you don't need to say anything because you're still employed and I don't want to get you jammed up. If you don't feel, you know, you don't feel like you want to say anything, don't, but I'm going to say it for you because that is why I'm here. Okay. This is why we have sheepdog nation. (laughs) So I can say it. So listen, 
we have uneducated or not as educated uh, command staff up, you know, in, in these positions, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's the old school, it's the old way of thinking. But the thing is, is for some reason, what's going on with this change is people, they don't like change because it makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel insecure. Why would anybody, let's think about that though. If you step back and you think about it just from like a human like standpoint, like why would I want things to change when I'm really good? I'm like top notch and I'm like this head honcho in this area. So why the fuck would I want things to change? Because when you change them and you give me a different dynamic, then like I'm not that good anymore. So I'm going to have to work. You know, I've been on the road for 20 years and we're just going to pretend that like I'm, you know, in the command staff, somebody in the command staff, you know, there's a ton of positions. I've been on the road 15, 20 years, man. Like I've been doing police work longer than most of these cops have been alive. That's their mentality. And they're like, no, like we, everything's been fine. Like I have arrested this many people. I have done all these things and everything's been good. And like, why would they want to go and like train and, and, and start from the ground up and learn all these new things and like learn this whole new mindset? Like, then, no, they're not going to want to do that because they've been successful in the way what they've been mm-hmm. doing and they're not, and you know, whatever. And that's fine. I mean, and, and, but here's, here's my problem and here's my rant. That is a lack of, that's poor leadership. That's poor leadership. And whether, you know, at some point, I mean, I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's new officers fault, like rookies straight off like straight in FTO day one, they should be prior to that. In my opinion, they should be going through leadership training because here's what, here's what cops need to know. You're a fucking leader. The moment you take your oath, because you know, you fucking, everyone's coming to you. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or not. Fucking community doesn't know that. I mean, hardened criminals can tell a rookie cop from a mile away. Don't get me wrong. But you know, grandma, she doesn't, she has no idea. She just sees a cop. And, and if you have no idea if, like what you're doing, which rookies don't, but if you don't have a really good grasp on what your role is in the community, in my opinion, you know, we're setting officers up for failure because guess what? These officers, they're not so much focused on being a leader. They're focused on getting the job done. And yeah. here's, here's, here's my opinion. We make officers better leaders and we don't have these problems and we don't have this command staff up here, right? Who are poor leaders leaking bullshit stress down and we don't have that fear of change. We have leaders who are progressive and more ad- adaptable. And that's, and that's really my opinion on that. And so the reason I'm kind of going on a rant is because Sheepdog Nation, I mean, we have, we have officers from, we have command staff that listen to this and we have rookies and we have everything from in between. Pay attention and evaluate yourself. Go and take a look because, you know, what Ruben's saying is so needed. Like we need, just as an example, we need officers to be like trained in jujitsu. Like we need you to be well-versed. Like, look what he's saying. He's like, why would I go and like punch somebody? One that looks awful on camera and we're all on camera too. I'm going to be hurt and I'm going to be down and out when you can literally learn how to do an arm bar, like not in um, defensive tactics, like manner, right? Straight rigid arm bar. But you know, in jujitsu, you go with the flow and shit and, and it looks better. You're not hurt. And like, like Ruben just said, he took down a guy who was fucking like twice his size, man. Like that's what we need, you know? So, um, yeah, there's my little rant on leadership. I obviously am quite passionate about it, but we do need to, we definitely need to be figuring that out. Um, Ruben, let me ask you this. How would you say that being a cop has affected you in your personal life? We're going to kind of transition a little bit. I want to know what you've experienced. I mean, you grew up with a bunch of cops, so the life really isn't a new thing to you, but like, would you say that, you know, 
your couple of years on the road and shit like, has that affected you like personally uh yeah it's affected me actually a big time that i'm noticing um more quiet now um i've been actually like a lot of my friends see a difference in me now and i never really understood it until like understood it when i came in contact with my parents after a shift and i remember when i was like a kid and stuff like i would my mom works midnight. She still does work midnights. I don't know how she does it, but she loves being on midnights when she could go on days and stuff like that. I'm actually on days. I'm not on midnights, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, everybody's surprised. They're like, Oh my God, a rookie on days, but we're, we're so low on manpower because everybody's retiring. Now we're going through that little fluctuation of, you know, we're down each shift. Mm-hmm. So now they're putting rookies on senior day shifts, you know, mm-hmm. cause they need people. I'm actually the lowest in seniority. Well, the second lowest in seniority now because we just got a new guy from FTO on our shift. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like everybody's surprised I'm on day shift and stuff like that instead of nights. But my mom, she's still on nights and she loves being on nights. And I remember when my parents would come home, I would try to like bombard them with like questions, like figure out how their day was and stuff. And I remember my mom always like, hey, just give me like probably 25, 30 minutes to myself, you know, so I could relax, get my gear off and, and, do what I need to do. And I never understood that. And now me being a cop, I call my parents. I'm like, bro, I, I'm so sorry. Now I know what you guys go through and stuff. Like I catch myself when I come home, I'll just sit down on my couch and stare at my wall for 20 minutes just to process all the crap that's going on. Because we're going from call in my district. We're the, one of the busiest districts. I'm going from call to call to call to call to call. And I can't really process all these calls. You know, I do the call, I find the solution, I do my report or I do my code out, put in what I need to do, upload my body cam footage and go right to the next one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even have that. Sometimes I'm, I'm done with one call and next thing you know, I hear my sergeant chasing a guy on foot. So now I'm, I'm jumping in my car, running code all the way down to where my sergeant's at, setting up a box, looking for the guy, you know, and then... I'm like, what the hell just happened? Did I give this lady back her license from the last call? You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. once you hear somebody on the radio calling for help, you're, you go tunnel vision, you, you just drop whatever you're doing and you go. And, um, yep. I had a ride along with me, uh, three days ago and him and I are the same age. And he's actually from the community that I patrol. He's like, Hey, I want to, I want to be a cop and I'm from this community. So I want to see what you guys go through. And I told him, I'm like, all right, now you get to see what we actually deal with. And he saw what we dealt with in his community. He's like, I never thought that you guys went to so many calls and some of them were just very stupid. And he's like, wow, I didn't know like you guys dealt with this. And I'm like, that's why you see sometimes when we get out, we're already frustrated because the last call that we were on, you know, it was, they just called us just to call us for some bull crap and we got to find a solution for it. And, and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm completely going on a tangent, but no, I yeah, like a it. lot of people have seen a lot of people have seen a difference in me. Uh, my best friend's like, man, I've never seen you so disgruntled in your life. You know, you're only a year on and you're, you're like very different. Like you're quiet. You don't want to go out. You don't want to do this. You just want to train, come home. And yeah, I, I see a difference and I'm trying to change it. It's just, I'm so used to, like being on a jujitsu team that I'm trying to transition to being a cop now where it's completely different, you know, in agencies you have to deal with not only what's going on outside, but what's going on internally, you know, dealing with people that are talking about you, 
rumors, the whole high school musical drama, whatever the hell. And then on top of that, you have to deal with people that want to hurt you outside of the agency. And when you go on calls, you don't know who's going to back you up and if they're going to actually help you when they back you up. Or if and, they're going to be a friggin' problem because they don't know. Yeah, or they're going to be a problem. You know, you, you mm-hmm. see it so much that you're like, wow. But I'm, I'm changing it. You know, I'm reading more. I'm actually reading a, a book my parents gave me, which is uh, the emotional uh, survival of law enforcement. Yeah, survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, emotional survival. I was reading it yesterday while I was on overtime for a little bit. You know, when I was in between calls, I would read it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually helping out, you know. So I'm just trying to keep like a more positive mindset little by little. Also, another thing too is after I work a 12-hour shift, I don't want to go work out. I don't want to do anything because I'm just so tired. Waking up at 4 in the morning, working from 6 to 6, mm-hmm. and then coming home an hour of traffic in between. So I get home around 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I'm exhausted. I don't want to go run. I don't want to go train jiu-jitsu. I don't want to go lift weights. I just want to sit down process my day, watch a little TV and then go to bed just to do it all over again. So on my days off, I try to take the most out of my days off. Like I do all my cleaning, all my laundry, all my training, all my, whatever I have to catch up with on top of that, trying to see my parents as much as I can. Cause now I don't live in Miami anymore. I live a little bit further North. So I visit my parents, hang out with them, talk to my dad about retirement, talk to my mom about what she's going through on the job. I know you're talking about shows. My mom watches uh, The Rookie. Mm-hmm. And I watch that show too with her. And I tell her, I'm like, man, half of this crap is bull crap. But some of it's legit. But most of it's bull crap. But mm-hmm. I watch that cop show just to have something to talk about with my mom besides the like job job. Just talking about like all the theatrics of the job on TV. Yeah. You know, because my roommate's like, why are you watching a cop show when you just got off duty? I'm like, this is something that me and my mom talk about. This is like a conversation thing for my mom. Right. Because my dad, he does martial arts and he shoots guns. So we talk about that. That's our common thing. And my mom and I, our common thing is the show. So, That's and then cool. saving animals on duty. So, yeah. So, tell, so talk about that a little bit. I'd love to hear like what, what's it like growing up as both of your parents are cops? Um, it was, it was fun. Um, my dad, he was, uh, like my dad's like my best friend. Like we, we always, when I talk on the phone with my dad, people are like, Oh my God, you talk to your dad like that. Like my dad and I, we throw, we're, we're at that, that time now where we just like call each other like names and stuff like that. And you know, he's like, Oh, I work for real department. You don't. And then I'm like, no, I work for actual like sheriff's office. You work for a contradiction. You guys are both the police department and a sheriff's office. And he's still a reserve. He wanted to become a school resource officer. And I, I told him, hey, man, you did your 30 years. Relax now. Mm-hmm. Stay as a reserve with your squad because the thing about his squad is that they're very tight. So when he left, they were all heartbroken. So he stayed on as a reserve and stayed on with them. So he goes out once a month and patrols with them, hangs That's out awesome. with them. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, my dad's always cool. He was, uh, he was on the original uh, multi-agency gang task force. He was one of the leading guys in Miami for gangs. He did it for 16 years and then had enough of it and went to court services and forcible writs. So he did that till the end of his career. My mom, um, my mom, on the other hand, she was road patrol and she became the first female motorcycle cop for the city of Aventura. That's awesome. After she, yeah, after she did that and got injured on a, on a motorcycle incident, she went back to the road. She did a little stint in uh, Detective Bureau and then went back to the road. And she's been on the road ever since, and she loves being on the road. 
trying to get her to take the sergeant's exam because like everybody looks up. She's like the mom of the group. Everybody looks up to, yeah. looks up to her. When my buddy who was a, in the army and he decided to go to the private contracting route, when that didn't work out, I told him to apply. And he applied with my mom's agency and actually got in and went through the academy with them. And now he's working the road with my mom. So her sergeants always called me up because they all train jujitsu too. Her sergeants call me up and they're like, yeah, your mom's like the, the person of the group that everybody goes to, you know, and ask her for advice and what to do. I even call my mom on calls. I'm like, hey, mom, I got this call. What would you have done? Oh, I would have done this, this, this. Okay, I did that. Um, maybe I should do this. So she's on road patrol. She's got like five years left. So I'm trying to see if she'll take the sergeant's exam and, you know, get on that. And, um, yeah, uh, uncles, aunts, cousins, they all did whatever they did in their agencies and they were pretty successful. Most of them retired. So yeah, coming up uh, in the family of cops, it was, it was always something new, like, um, especially the venting part when my mom would come home or my dad would come home after a bad day, they would just talk to me about like the day they had. And I'm like, wow, you know, but I never really understood it now doing the job now I understand it you need to have that like person that you go tell how your day was to because mm -hmm. if you just hold it in it's just going to be destructive yep absolutely that's cool so yeah it was, it was cool it's cool having parents as cops it, people thought they were like super strict they're actually the coolest parents ever as long as I didn't mess up you know or got in trouble but then again I was in martial arts and music and always doing something yeah so they had me in that to keep me occupied. So I was never a problem child. Yeah, that's cool. Now, now let me ask you this, um, kind of transitioning. Um, Ruben, you've got a pretty big, you know, like social media following. What do you use it for? Like as a cop or do, what do you use it for? Like what's, your, what's the point that you're trying to get across? Cause you're very active. Um, on social media, like I just try to, the problem that I see with social media now is that you have all these people that are using social media just for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not about personal gain for me. I can shut down my Instagram and it's not going to change who I am as a person, but I use it as like a platform to speak about training, you know, also being yourself. There's people on social media that they're completely opposite than what they are in real life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was actually just talking to a buddy of mine yesterday about it while I was on, on duty because he called me up to figure out if he's going to go to the range with me Friday. And he has a huge social media following. Um, his name's Cable. He's got like 40,000 followers. He's a cop too in Miami. And he called me. He's like, bro, you know what? I never thought we were going to be this cool. And I, I asked him like, what do you mean? He goes, man, when I saw your profile, I saw that you were a black bone jujitsu and stuff and all this and that. And, you know, I thought you weren't going to be in a approachable person he goes when I met you at this free law enforcement course for uh shooting that my buddy Menacal puts on I was one of the cadres I I walked up and I introduced myself to everybody I shook everybody's hand you know asked them if they need anything that to contact me or whatever he goes I never thought you were that type of person and I started laughing I go you know what I thought the same about you I thought through your social media presence that you were just like this buff cop that's just a you know, a douche and all this stuff. And you actually ended up being one of the coolest dudes that, that I know. And when we go to the range, you don't have an ego. You ask me for what I need to learn. And then I ask you, you know, the same thing. Like, what do you think about this, this, this for him? It's more like the workout dieting stuff. Cause I kind of let myself a little, 
fit go. Training's kept me in shape, but I'm not as in shape as I was when I started the academy or anything like that because, you know, sometimes you don't eat, like, healthy how you're supposed to. You just eat whatever you can get on the go and takes an effect. Diet tips, he asked me about gun and jiu-jitsu tips, and, and it's cool that from social media we're, we're buddies and that, you know, we go off of each other's vibes, but we judged each other from our social media. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of like cops that are, you know, using their social media for personal gains to get sponsors and all that stuff. And I'm not about that. I'm more about, you know, letting people know that they need to train, um, being with the community. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason I became a cop wasn't the whole cliche, you know, I'm trying to change the community one person at the time. The reason I became a cop is because first of all, it's legacy for me. Mm-hmm. you know, to follow my parents' footsteps who are like my biggest role models. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, to try to make a difference. So, you know, fellow cops don't get hurt on the job or even killed or, you know, all that stuff. So that's what I try to put out. And, you know, hopefully I'm doing pretty, I think I'm doing pretty good, you know, cause I'm on this podcast with you and a lot of people hit me up for, for stuff. And I also get a lot of people that, that were on like, you know, the edge of whether they want to become a cop or not. And they've messaged me saying, Hey man, you're like my inspiration. I want to be a cop now. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. you know, I don't feel like that person, but it's, it's awesome to have just with the little year that I have on the job, people hitting me up and it's, it's being like proactive towards their career in law enforcement. Yep. No, I love it. And I love hearing what you're doing and the reasons behind it. Cause you, you really hit the nail on the head is, you know, some people are not using, it for the right reasons. And, um, and I know you are, that's why I wanted you to on, on here. And as I like how humble you are and that you will talk to people and, um, I like your, I like your uh, social media. So keep going. I like that sheepdog nation, go follow him. Um, the, you're going to be able to go and get his uh, handle. It's going to be right in the show notes. So you can just scroll down and get it. Ruben, before we let you go, do you have anything else that you would like to, um, say to sheepdog nation? No, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's good to have an outlet where cops can listen to other cops talk about things that are going on, you know, because I've noticed even though we're all different agencies and different districts and different states, we all go through the same crap, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. I've, I've met cops from other agencies. I'm like, oh, I had this call last week. And they're like, yo, I've had that type of call too, bro. It's crazy, you know, and I handled it this way. Yo, I handled it the same way. It's It's pretty funny, you know, because – like, like I said, I call my mom. I'm like, Hey, I got this call. Like, what would you do? And she's like, Oh, I've done this and this. I'm like, okay, I did the same thing. Cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, there's so many outlets for cops to go to besides like your podcast and stuff for training and stuff that guys will put on free courses Yeah, and they don't take advantage of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. free. People mm-hmm. are donating their time to make you better. Mm-hmm. The least you could do is show up. Um, Absolutely. and they can hit me up on social media, ask me about like, locations of train and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always there. I'm always posting on my stories, whoever has free training courses. I know uh, my buddy, Sean, uh, ready and able defense. He's always doing free striking classes. Um, another buddy of mine who's retired from highly a SWAT. He's actually really famous on Instagram, uh, real world tactical. Mm-hmm. He does one free three day course vehicle CQB in Miami. And he only opens it for 20 slots, but it's free. You know, we had guys from California come out, guys from Ohio, you know, SWAT guys. They all took advantage of it. Um, and he did, like, vehicle stuff, mm-hmm. which a lot of cops don't know because 
where are you at most of the time on shift? You're in your car. That's your office. You're okay. typing your reports in your car. You only go to the station when you need to go to the station. You try to stay away from the station as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You're always in your car, but nobody thinks that that's where you're going to get ambushed most of the time. That's Do you know how to right. fight inside? Do you know how to fight inside of your car? Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Tony and my other buddy, uh, Jesse Menacal and his whole family, he's a, his whole family's law enforcement too. His brother's on Miami-Dade SWAT team. His dad's the former chief. Actually, my mom worked under his dad when she first started as a cop with Sweetwater PD. So they do free law enforcement courses too, you know, and then they do discounts for law enforcement. And then you got guys like Freddie Trillo and, um, and a bunch of other jiu-jitsu guys that do free classes. Mm-hmm. So you have all these plugs that, that are here in Florida and everywhere else too. You know, there's other states too that they're putting free jiu-jitsu on, you know, and they're doing the whole uh, make it mandatory for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You see that all over the place. These guys are doing it for free. Mm. And, you know, I'm always shouting them out because it it takes a special person to do all these free classes and um, you only have one person show, but you still keep keep doing it and doing it, you know. I I totally Totally is, Sam. Well, thank you, Ruben. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Had some good takeaways from this podcast. Sheepdog Nation, like I said, I've said it a couple of times, but uh, if you want to hang out with Ruben, and trust me, you do, because you'll like his Instagram. You'll you'll actually learn shit from his Instagram too, um, which is cool. You're going to go check him out. Ruben, tell us your handle again. Uh, It's going to be Ruben, R-U-B-E-N, B-J-J-04, and it's on Instagram. Yep. And it's going to be right down in the show notes. So make sure you go hang out with them. Sheepdog Nation. Um, go train jujitsu. I don't even know what else to say. Go train jujitsu. And, uh, and don't be so afraid of the change. And don't be afraid to show up. Um, and uh, keep an eye out. Because, Ruben, I want you to start giving me the, if you wouldn't mind when you think of it, I'd like to share and post about the free trainings as well. So Sheepdog Nation, go, you know, that's what we need. Go take advantage of these free trainings because just like Ruben said, there's nothing. It just lets you down. It's like it's like kind of depressing. It's like when you when you're somebody who's putting out all this free content and like these free classes, and then like nobody shows up, and you're like, damn, like my heart's in the right place. How come no one's hanging out? You know. So we definitely need to be taking advantage of that, especially as like the new generation of law enforcement. Like we need to be progressive, and this is just another way to tighten the the thin blue line that we need thick, right? All right, Sheepdog Nation, um, we will see you next time. And that was another episode of Sheepdog Nation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and let us know by giving us a rating. If you have questions that you want answered by Autumn in the podcast, submit it by going to the link in the show notes. As always, stay safe and watch your sixth.